Welcome back to the Nika Pet Podcast. So today is a very special episode. Um, I am joined by a really close friend of mine and a client of the gym, Neve Fortune. So Neve and I go way back. So Neve and I actually knew each other before NikaFit even existed. Um, we met through personal training. I trained Neve for a good two years, I think, before NikaFit actually opened its doors. So we have a really, really nice friendship and she's just the most amazing girl. But Neve is here today to talk to us about her journey with cancer. So when Neve was 31, at her fittest and healthiest, she was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. Um, and thankfully she beat it and overcame it, but not without her struggles. So today we're going to discuss her journey with cancer, but also the aftermath of having cancer and how she has dealt with it. She is truly, truly inspiring, and I absolutely loved getting a chance to listen to her story today. So I hope you guys enjoy. So welcome, guys. We have the beautiful, wonderful Neve with us today. Hello, Neve. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little nervous, good. but good. Yeah, absolutely. Nerves are normal. Um, so first of all, I thought we would get started with maybe just giving the listeners um, a little bit about you, who you are what you're into. Just give us a little, a little get to know Neve. Okay, a little synopsis of me. Um, so I am 35, living in Kilcool with my lovely other half, Johnny, and our beautiful little doggy, Oscar. Um, I'm working in Kilcool as well at the moment, and I am studying at the moment as well in a degree in counseling and psychotherapy so I'm busy busy what's keeping me busy during COVID lockdown which is good I'm, I'm happy to have the distraction to be honest and um, I god I love the gym I love being outside um yeah that's kind of like me in a nutshell Something yeah, really more to it. I was like how many sentences before she mentions Oscar I was like one there. <laughs> the beautiful little puppy I knew he was going to make it make an appearance <laughs> very good oh, 100%. And so today we wanted to bring you on because you've had a uh, an amazingly inspiring journey and um, with cancer and I thought we could maybe delve into that a little bit um, and maybe if you want to start by taking us back right back to when you discovered it and how you discovered it yeah okay um yeah so basically it's actually quite poignant that i'm chatting to you today because today is four years ago today i went into a and &E. um so i had been having a pain in my shoulder uh basically for not too long to be honest about three or four weeks maybe beforehand uh it was getting progressively progressively worse i couldn't use my left arm at the end of it really because of the pain and i was getting then shortness of breath, I was getting uh, pains in my chest and uh, obviously push came to shove. And basically today, at, around this time, I was sitting at my kitchen table four years ago crying because I was in so much pain. I was on my way to get my nails done and Johnny was like, no, this is ridiculous. We're going to A&E. It was Easter weekend, so there's no doctors open or anything. So we went straight into A&E and yeah, they took me in and I... They ran tests on me. They admitted me to the acute A&E section straight away, ran tests on me. 
I got an x-ray done straight away and they then came back and told me that they had seen a mass in my chest um, area. So obviously we were completely shocked. We didn't know what was going on. Um, they told me that it was, uh, there was a couple of options that it could be basically, it could be, it could be uh, acute pneumonia, it could be an acute infection, or it could be um, uh, malignant. Um, so there was, it was obviously a lot to take in. It was, it was something that I didn't expect. I was probably the fittest and healthiest I'd been in a long time. Um, like I know myself and yourself worked together for two years before NikaFit opened. And um, like I've been training kind of consistently ever since then. And yeah, it was just, I was kind of felt like I was in the prime of my life. I had started a brand new job and I was kind of on that, you know, career ladder that I thought I wanted to be on. And then I was in the job eight weeks and this happened then. So I was I was admitted into hospital once the x-rays and the tests were done um, and they were doing a biopsy on me um, on the Tuesday after Easter weekend. Um, and they were running tests throughout that weekend anyway to kind of get more of a clear vision of what they were dealing with before the biopsy and then the the nurse or the doctor that was that was looking after me she was fantastic she came in to me then the day of the biopsy and said okay well this is the style of biopsy we're doing just to let you know and I felt like she was kind of giving me like a little pre-warning she was kind of helping me out a little bit because she said just mm -hmm. let you know like that this is the style of biopsy we're doing for this because we are we're pretty she didn't say pretty sure but she was kind of leaning towards that it was going to be cancer mm -hmm. um so yeah, so I, I went and got my biopsy done, got, got released, and then I was brought back in. Then on the 27th of April, they left me home for a week and a bit, and I was brought back in on the 27th of April, and I was officially then diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I was stage two, which was good because non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma is quite a silent, it's, it's quite a silent uh, type of cancer because there's there's no like there's no lumps or anything like that. Well, there, there there can be sometimes when when your lymphs your lymph nodes get swollen, but a lot of the time it's very internal and like mine was. And the only reason that I got kind of red flagged for mine was because the pain in my shoulder was coming from the 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 mass that was in my chest was pushing against my organs and it was trapping a nerve basically. So mm. that's how the pain in my shoulder came about, which. Yeah was it was it was a very good look really yeah happy. like I I remember it so well like you were like what is this pain in my shoulder and you were in and out of the physio and even the physio was like oh, I don't really know what's causing this pain you yeah. know she, she couldn't really figure it out and like you said like it was just I never forget finding out when you told me that like just the utter shock like like you said you were so young so fit so healthy just kind of sprung out of nowhere you know um and just for a little bit of background for everybody listening like myself and Eve go way 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 back um and we were personal training like you said before Nick had even opened so you've been a member since the, the before the the gym or the the brand <laughs> even existed um and like that though like one of the most you know healthy fit charismatic people I've ever met so like that I'm sure just as much as a, as a shock as it was for me and everybody else that heard like I'm sure you were in total shock like how how did you could you get your head around that at the beginning or was it just like like what what hmm, what was going through that mind yeah I, like I don't really know it was it was 
it was it was crazy when they said it like I went in when I got the res when when they when they released me after the biopsy I remember me and Johnny driving home and I remember this so clearly we were driving home and obviously we were a bit subdued and I was I was just I was sitting there and I just turned around to him and I was like they're gonna tell me I have cancer I was like I just know they are and mm -hmm. he was kind of like yeah so like I feel like the both of us I feel like the doctors were really good at preparing us but not telling me because obviously they couldn't until they got the biopsy results back but I feel like yeah. they had really prepared us and I feel like we were preparing ourselves and then mm. my mom and Johnny came in at me then to um get my results and I remember when she told me that she was like I'm so sorry it, it is cancer and I remember just in my head thinking oh my god my poor mom has to sit here and listen to this like I felt more for my mom and for Johnny than I did for me at that time. Wow. I was really worried about how they were reacting. And I was just in like a, a daze. Uh, like I, I, I was in shock. Like when I look back at it now, I was in shock. I, I hadn't really comprehended what they had said to me for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember like people coming down and when I told people and we were chatting and like I hadn't cried and I hadn't like gotten upset and I hadn't like nothing like that and mm -hmm. I felt really strange for not getting upset if you know what I mean because you just assume that once you get that news you're just going to break down but I, I didn't and it wasn't until I was in I was admitted then I readmitted then back in on the 5th of May when I was getting my first round of chemo I was getting my first. I was getting my first round of chemo on the fifth of May, mm -hmm. and I was readmitted the when on the wet on that Wednesday. And I remember when I was admitted, then I got really scared. I was like, "What? Mm -hmm. What is this? Like, this is this is going. This could potentially be a lot more serious than I than I'm thinking it is, or that that my mind's letting me accept that it is. If you know what I mean? Yeah, like started to actually hit you. Yeah, yeah, it started yeah. to hit home, like the gravity of the situation. And like I had I had gone straight away and gotten my hair cut um in the in Peter Marks and Bray uh, straight after I had been um I had been diagnosed because I knew I was gonna lose my hair. So I was like, I just want to kind of keep one bit of control. So I went in, got my hair all cut off and up into a really short cut, and then I was like, Okay, this is kind of real once kind of that even had been done and yeah it was my head was kind of all over the place until I until I kind of got my first round of chemo and then once I got my first round of chemo in I can't I got into the headspace of okay I'm ready to fight I'm ready to take this on I was like I've, I feel like I was avoiding the situation a little bit until I finished my first round of chemo and once then that hit then I was like okay I've got this, put my blinkers on, get to work, beat this and just do what I need to do to survive. Do what I need to do. I'm only 31. I cannot, this cannot be the end of my story, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I was getting six rounds of chemo and then I was getting 15 rounds of radiation after that. So I got through the chemo all like very smooth sailing to be fair, like on in looking at like other people's stories and how they react to it. Like mine was very, very smooth. It was, I was sick with it, like the relative sick, then the nausea that you feel and everything with it. But I was never actually admitted back into hospital. There was never any complications or anything like that. It was just straightforward chemo. Tough as hell. Never, mm. ever want to go through that again. I would never wish it on anybody. But as straightforward as, as it comes, that's what I had, thank God.
So I finished that then. My final round of chemo was on the 17th of August. And in the middle of that, then after my third round, I had had a PET scan to see how the treatment was working. And I got the call to say that it was working brilliantly and it was fighting against it and everything was going to plan. So that was kind of the call that I was waiting for that I got. And it was it was amazing to hear that it was working. It is going to work and it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I finished out my chemo. And I then had my 15 sessions of radiation after that and finished those sessions on the 17th of October. And then on the 18th of October, me and Johnny flew away to Lanzarote on a little trip that my amazing friends um, organized for me, for the two of us. Um, They organized, yeah, they basically uh, got us basically just a little holiday to get away um, because kind of like what I was throughout the whole treatment I remember saying to a few people probably said it to yourself as well many times like that like I would the the support I had through treatment was insane like my friends my family people that you wouldn't expect of it like just anybody coming out of the woodwork was just so supportive it was unbelievable and there was Mm -hmm. somebody there every single day with me when Johnny was in work because obviously Johnny was working and so um he wasn't able to be there with me all the time. He wasn't able to come to all my chemo sessions with me. So Julie was fantastic through that. My family was fantastic through that. Um, like anybody that, like everybody was offering the sun, moon and stars to me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes all I wanted was it just to be normal and just to be me and Johnny. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I just wanted not to have cancer and not to have to have everybody around me and minding me and not to have to have the worry. And I just wanted me and Johnny and because that's what it's been for so long and I was just looking to get back to that and get back to our normal so yeah our friends um organized a holiday for us over to Lanzarote and we just spent a week in the sun just the two of us just recovering and yeah Yeah, it was amazing getting away absolutely just getting away from everything it must have been such a nice little you know what's the word uh, a little pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thing and it's funny that you say that because I think that's what a lot of people say when they lose loved ones or when they go through things like this with loved ones it's like you just miss the mundane you know you miss the boringness of normal life you know being able to get up and just do the normal things and not always having you know to be like you said looked after or thought about and those kind of things you just want to get back to what feels normal um which is which is super tough and probably a hindsight thing you know you don't realize what you have until maybe you don't have it and things like that um yeah and then post cancer I know like we've talked a lot about it like most people think that that's where the hard work you know is done is those those chemo sessions and those radiation sessions and having to deal with all that but you've you've talked a lot um about the kind of aftermath and the the mental health um implications that having cancer has afterwards would you mind telling us a little bit about that yeah yeah absolutely um I suppose this is my kind of this is my focus that I love to, well, love is probably a strong word, but no, yeah, I love to voice my, uh, I suppose my journey on this because I've, I struggled so much with the aftermath of having cancer. Like, like you said, like I thought, okay, great. I'll get through treatment. I'll get through, I'll get through the chemo. That's the hardest part. Once I've done that, then I'm grand. I'm back to normal. Once I get my treatment finished, I'm absolutely okay. Pre-cancer Neve is going to be back. And I tried, I, I absolutely tried against the guidance of everybody I spoke to. 
I tried as hard as I could to my detriment to go back to the knees I was before and the life I was before I had before and the routines I had before and the I suppose the busyness I had before and in like that nearly killed me like that alone nearly killed me it was it was such a mental battle then once treatment finished the mental battle began and it was something that I was completely not expecting and it could have been down to my ignorance on the whole fact like it's not something I ever like researched or anything like that I just thought of cancer thought of chemo thought of radiation thought of treatment and then thought being done and I've, I've thought about like I've thought about it so much since gone going through it myself is like looking back on people who have been sick and once their treatment finishes you're like oh grand they're better now but like they're not even close to being better like they're not physically and actual cancer wise yeah you're 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 in remission which is amazing news but actually the mental side of things is so strong and it's so important and this is why I really like to tell this part of my story because I feel like if I had this information back in 2017 I may have been a little bit more prepared for what was coming like I, I may not have been I may have just gone down the road of completely avoiding what I was hearing but I feel like if I had had some semblance of this information of what I what what was coming around the corner for me because like that, I, I I I finished treatment in October on October seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, and I went back to work then in December two thousand seventeen. Like six weeks later, like some people take more time off when they have the common cold, and I was just adamant. I was like, no, I'm going back. I went back part time in the December, and like my family and everybody was just like, oh my god, like Neve, what are you doing? Like I really feel like you need to take a little more time. I was like, no, I feel great. I feel so ready. I was like, I feel recharged. Like my batteries are full. And like, I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. Let, me, let me at it. Let me at it. Yeah, let absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Let me out of my sitting room, sitting on my couch, watching mm -hmm. the box. Like I was like, of course my batteries are recharged. That's what I was doing all day. So mm -hmm. of course I felt fresh and I felt okay when I was doing that. Then I went back to work. I was working in a hotel in town and I was commuting then every, every, three days a week in town. Uh, into town and back and that alone for a fit and healthy person that is soul destroying but for someone that's just been six weeks post-treatment from cancer is insane and I look back at it now and I, I get so embarrassed when I think of what I did but high insight's a great thing like it's I, I was just like I said I just wanted to be back to me so I was going to do everything I could to make sure that was happening and at that time, I thought that this career, this corporate climbing ladder was what I wanted to do. And as it turns out, it's not. But I went back the three days a week and I, I, I was struggling really badly inside. I, was, I felt like I wasn't dealing with being better the way you should deal with being better, if that makes sense. I felt like I wasn't appreciating it because I had all these feelings of like, anger at being at getting sick anger at having to have gone through it anger at not being me anymore I felt really guilty then because I had survived like it's a survivor guilt is is it's a it's a real thing that is so strange to feel because obviously you are so amazingly elated and happy to have beaten this rotten disease 
but that little pang of guilt in there is it's a little voice in your head and it's really hard to explain it to somebody because you don't want to come across sounding like you're not happy to be here if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah um yeah like the I was I was lonely as well which is which is really something that I hate admitting as well because it's when you're I was so used to people being around me all the time which was amazing and then everybody obviously gets back to their 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 lives when when I had gone into remission which was amazing and everybody was like fantastic like life can resume which it absolutely does and it has to like it, for everybody me included but there was that lonely feeling of, oh, where, mm-hmm. where, oh, where, where is like, uh, where, where are, where is everybody? Even though there was no need anymore, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. It was just that it had gone on that long that I, it was what I was used to, and then I then I felt guilt then for feeling that because I felt like, oh God, I hope they d- they don't think that I don't appreciate what they did for me and everything that had happened and. So there were so much emotions going around in my head that I just didn't know how to deal with them. So I just pushed them down. And I was sad. I was, I was so sad mm-hmm. because I, was, I wasn't me anymore. I was a cancer survivor, which is amazing. But I was also 31. And I was so fatigued that I felt like I was in the body of a 91-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was really sad to have lost that youth part of me that I had had before I got sick and I was sad to have lost that I suppose that independence that I had uh, before getting sick well now whereas now then we're back then like I felt like I was sometimes being a burden on people they had to mind me they were worrying about me it was it was that kind of an annoyance that I didn't want to feel on people anymore so there was there was a lot of emotion there, but mm. it was emotion that I didn't want to say to anybody because I didn't want them to be worrying anymore about me. They had, to, they had already had to worry about me when I was sick, when I was physically sick. So I didn't want them to have to worry about my mental health. So I just deal with this myself. I just, you know, I'll push it down. And if I push it down far enough, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. That was my, that was my ideal on that. And back then, like I wasn't in any way into meditation or in any way into self-care or anything like that it was very much my lifestyle before getting sick was very much go 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 be a people pleaser do what people do what you think people want you to do make everybody else happy and you're kind of way down the list so that that kind of idea of self-care and stuff wasn't even in my head Um, and it's so interesting hearing you talk I'm getting like emotional just bring bringing me all back and I'm sure you're the same but it it's just that element of coming forward and talking about mental health. And I think that's such a big part of it, whether it's cancer, whether it's depression, whether it's any, whatever puts somebody into a position where they're having to really battle with mental health. It's that silent element, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you you very clearly said, like when you got the cancer, you were you were on a path. You had something to be. You had a focus. You were driven. You were in going in a direction. And then, like you said, everyone just disappears after, you know, because they're, they're gone. She's better. I'm so relieved for her that she's not sick anymore and they disappear. And I think that's, that's similar to anyone going through mental health is that people don't know, you know, that there's their struggle going on. You never know what your neighbor's going through. You never know what your best friend, your mom, anyone, you never know what anyone's going through. So it's that element of kind of never assuming that just because somebody doesn't have an illness or somebody isn't sick, that they're, they're not in need of 
the, sim- the same kind of support. So I think even getting on podcasts and talking about it is so important and being able to tell it in your way has just been so, so amazing. Um, and something you kind of touched on there, which I'd love um, to know a little bit more about is, is that kind of element of self-care. And like you obviously had something that forced you to have to go inward and have to kind of check in on yourself and wonder how am I going to make myself feel better what am I going to do like what kind of things did you incorporate because I think regardless of who's listening to this whether it's cancer or whether it's just general mental health it's always helpful knowing what other people do to kind of help that or to relieve it or what have you found found works for you well like I think like I think first off like just briefly to go back to what you were saying about the silent side of it like I think that like the if I had and when I did speak out that I was really mentally struggling and I needed help when I spoke out everybody rallied and everybody was there to support me it was amazing and they still are to this day no matter what I what I'm doing no matter who I'm talking to about what I like my journey and and that kind of stuff like everybody is such a cheerleader and it's unbelievable but it's that thing that they can't support you if they don't know and that's what Mm -hmm. I was I was hiding it and I was keeping it to myself so nobody would have to support me anymore um but yeah like I what I kind of incorporated then I after after a little while I I started going to um uh counseling in through Greystones Cancer Support so they were a fantastic support first of all throughout being sick and but especially for me when I when I was struggling afterwards that their all their all their facilities and all their um all their classes and all their their programs that they have running for people like me and my family and anybody that really needs it. So I I took up their offer of um, counselling. So I went to see someone about it and I had a chat to um, to uh, someone who was who was her background was um, she had experience with dealing with people with cancer. So she was very good at normalising what I was feeling and kind of letting me talk about it without worrying about judgment or without worrying about anything uh, kind of repercussions or any anything coming back onto me I was just able to just be unapologetically me I suppose and Mm -hmm. my thoughts and what I had and then like that then through that we kind of built up a few little things that I could do to help myself and now don't get me wrong this was 2018 and we're now 2021 and I really only come into this whole idea of self-care and really focusing on me in the last probably 18 months it's been something that's been building since that 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 time I spent with that counselor that Mm -hmm. like working on getting these habits in place to kind of help yourself but like for me the things that help me is number one is the gym and you yourself and Niall have been like an immense support to me and Johnny throughout everything like it's 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 unbelievable um you guys what you guys can do for for people and like the gym to me is my safe haven and I I think I've said it to you before like Mm -hmm. it's just after I was finished treatment like I went back to the gym in the November nice and easy nice and light I think I was doing one-to-ones with 
with a few of the coaches there for uh, for a month or so just to kind of ease myself back in but it was the it was one hour in my in my day or three hours in my week whatever it was that I could go in and feel like me again because I was lifting weights and I was just having a laugh and I was forgetting about being so tired and I was forgetting about tests coming up or scans coming up it was just a place where I could go and just be me and I, and still to this day, it's my it's my little haven of just joy. I think it's that's the only way to describe it. And like mm-hmm. I'd I'd even say like for Johnny when I was sick, um, is he didn't like he didn't miss a gym session because that's what his head needed. It was his support. It was his place to go. It was his one hour in the day that he could go and forget not not forget that what was going on, but have a distraction have something that wasn't just solely thinking oh my god my girlfriend's sitting at home lying on the couch just after a round of chemo or she's sick in bed or whatever it is like it was his safe haven for that little moment in time so that he could take a breath basically and that's why I think that like it's so important for me to um keep it up and not kind of let it fall off even like through COVID times like it's easy because you're it's all now online and stuff it's easy to be like oh god I don't want to do it but when I do the sessions with you guys like on the over zoom like the how I feel afterwards there's there's no other feeling like it so it's something it's something that's a non-negotiable to me um and then their meditation I've I started properly doing it I tried it on and off and it was something that my counselor had suggested to me back back in 2018 and I was like oh yeah no it sounds like a good idea and I tried it and I was like oh Jesus no not for me because I jumped in and tried to do like 25 minutes of meditation straight away Mm -hmm. and I can't sit still for barely sit still for 10 minutes so 25 minutes half an hour meditation was not going to work straight off the bat for me but it's something that I've gradually built up and especially now over the last like I said 12 to 18 months it's something that it's it's in my daily my daily routine I suppose if you want to call it that like I even if it's just taking five minutes like I try and I try and do 10 minutes a day but like sometimes for whatever reason I don't get the 10 minutes but even if I take three minutes, five minutes and just stand and just take a breath because mm-hmm. I, I, I find that I can get quite overwhelmed and you can feel a little bit anxious when if your diary is too full or if you have this coming up or that coming up or whatever it is, there you can feel that little kind of like, oh, in your chest going, oh, Jesus, like I'm a little bit busy this week and just trying to find that moment of calm. And mm-hmm. I find that that the meditation is just a godsend to me. And I really notice when I don't do it. So I try mm-hmm. again and make sure that it's something that I am doing every day um, mm-hmm. to help me kind of feel more balanced. Um, and then, yeah, just get getting outside. Like mm-hmm. I was never a massive fan of walking or anything like that, but just it's all I could do when I was sick. It's all like I could, I could only walk around the block, like, and then I would, I would have to rest. So like going down to the beach and we would drive down the beach and I'd walk for five or 10 minutes and then I'd have to rest, but just sitting there and looking out at the sea or just going into the, there's like a field behind our house and just going in there and letting Oscar off the lead and just standing and looking around at kind of what's around you, just appreciating the nature around you. Big time, um, which, which is meditation. You know, it's like yeah. sometimes, 
sometimes people think meditation is sitting still in a quiet room going um you know for 30 minutes yeah. and having no thoughts in your head it's not it's just stopping and becoming aware of what's around you and maybe taking a deep breath like you said and I, th- I think it's interesting what you kind of touched on there in terms of self-care just for maybe people listening as they all kind of overlink you know it's like taking time out of your busy schedule to stop and do what makes you feel like you and makes brings you back to that present moment and meditation is this is similar to gym you know you have to you have to start really small and go easy on yourself and be non-judgmental and be kind like your therapist was to you, you know, um, and build it and slowly integrate it in the same way that you don't come into a gym and lift a hundred kilo squat and run a prowler. You know, you, you start with the, the body weight squat. Yeah, step. exactly. And you, you grow into it. But something you said about the gym and how like it's your safe space. Like we always have that conversation, don't we? And loads of people always mm. say it. It's like just that hour to just be your like empowered boss self you know where you come in and you just feel good and sometimes I can't help when I think about your story think about like the road you had leading up to that diagnosis is like you spent so much time in the gym you know we worked we did PT together but you like you build resilience when you train you know and you build confidence in yourself and in your ability to overcome obstacles whether that's a squat or whether that's chemotherapy it's like there's somewhere in there that resilience you know do you do you think that you had built a little bit of that resilience through things like training, like as an I can do it, you know, I can accomplish things that I put my mind to. Like I just the way you took to your chemo and your diagnosis was just amazing to me. I couldn't I couldn't believe I know obviously it was really tough. I'm not saying you just ran at it with a smile on your face, but you did have that kind of attitude of I'm gonna do this, you know, I'm gonna beat it. So I always wonder like, do you feel like any of that came from your kind of commitment to training or anything like that? Yeah, and I, it's it's definitely something that was in my head, but you put it there because you. I remember we were sitting down here one day. Um, you, I, I think it was just after I got diagnosed, and you came down with lunch, and we were sitting having a chat, and you had said to me, "Well, because I, I was, I was saying like, oh, like I've it's the fittest and healthiest I've been in so in like my life. Like, how has this happened? And you know, just kind of." going back over it in my own head and you said to me well this maybe this is what we've been training for maybe this is what your body has been preparing you for so that you can fight so that you can do this and literally even saying it has given me little oh my god i got goosebumps i remember you saying that to me and i remember like i remember it's so clearly and i still tell people that to this day that like Oh, my, my coach was said to me, like, maybe this is what you have been training for for the last two years. And I do like my body was so strong when mm-hmm. I went into the fight against it. And that 100 percent stood to me like it was funny, like people used to say to me, like when I got diagnosed, oh, you're very lucky now that you're you're young and you're very lucky that you got this type of cancer and you're very lucky. And people say these things because it's it it, it, it it's it seems like the right thing to say I didn't feel lucky at all but I understood the kind of concept behind what they were saying but it, I used to laugh because like oh god I don't feel very lucky but yeah no I know what you're saying but I was <laughs> like my body was very strong I was very strong in general going into it so I 100% think that it without a doubt helped me fight it off yeah. and and that's like I think like all I wanted to do was to be able to go back to the gym afterwards to show how strong I was again and probably for the wrong reasons at the time I wanted to show myself how strong I was because I wanted to show myself I was back to being Neve. but now like I, I just I'm so proud of what my body has done and what it can do 
and mm-hmm. what what like I can overcome I suppose like I remember in the June I was in the middle of treatment and we were doing no we were supposed to have done Helen back in the June the gym was doing it and me and you were supposed to be doing it I couldn't do it because I was sick so we organized then to do it the following year and we so we were raising money for Greystones cancer support as well and it was that was my goal I remember coming back to you guys and saying and when I said it to you is about um, doing it as a gym and obviously you guys as supportive as you are you were on board straight away and you were dying to do it as well because you had missed it the previous year as well and we had to watch everybody else doing it <laughs> yeah so, we, we bitched and moaned from the sidelines we did. <laughs> looks crap supported. anyway oh they're probably hating it they're probably hating yeah. it so much. we're like oh, I wish we were doing it with them <laughs> I know. Yeah. So once I came to you with the fact that I wanted to do it in the June, I wanted to do it to kind of prove to myself that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it then. I thought it was just a good, really good opportunity to raise money for Greystones Cancer Support and get their name out there and show them how much they've they've done for me. And we did it. It was amazing. It mm-hmm. was it was it was uh, emotional. It was emotional. I I remember crossing the finish line. Well, mm-hmm. I remember being dragged up the side of the mountain by Johnny and Julie. So Johnny was pulling me and Julie was pushing me because I was like, I can't do this anymore. But it was it was incredible. And mm-hmm. crossing that finish line, like my family and all came to see see us finish. And oh, I just was a ball of tears crossing. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe I'd done it. It was it's to it's see where I'd come from the year before. And such, such a full circle moment, wasn't yeah. it? Just like, like not only have you beaten it, but you've, like, Helen Back is hard for anybody to do, you yeah. know, no, you know, so, and it just, it all comes back to that mental resilience that I've just watched from the day I've met you. It's just like incredible, you know, it's incredible to see somebody take things on. And I know, obviously, it's easy for me to say, oh, your attitude's been amazing. I know you've gone through so much struggle and it's not been easy at all, but you've always showed up. Like, you always show up with a smile on your face. And with that attitude of, I can do this, even if you don't say that every day, I'm sure there's plenty of days you said, I just can't, I can't do it. But you have that resilience and it's just admirable to watch. And I've just loved, I just love everything about you. <laughs> but I really, really loved seeing that in you. And I just, I think it's great for anyone, regardless of what it is, is just to like, look for that inner resilience within yourself, you know, because we all have it. We just mm. have things that get in the way or there might be some limiting beliefs and that idea that you can't do things is just not true. You can do anything. Um, and I think Neve is a shining example of you can literally do anything if you put your mind to it. So I think it's really important that people take that from this, you know, um, and if it's something that you can't build yourself, you know, get help with that, like whether it's a therapist or a, a gym or whatever it is or meditation, it's just to like work on that inner resilience because it's so important and you never know when you're going to need it like a lot you know um, mm-hmm. and you you have it in, in abundance which is great Um, so if like looking back now on this whole whole journey like it has it given you a new perspective on life is there things that you will never do again or you want to do more of or like what kind of change did it bring about within you Oh God, that word perspective. Um, people used to always say to me when, in the middle of treatment, like, oh, your perspective in life must be completely different now. And honestly, during treatment, it wasn't. I was. I remember saying to my sister one day, what do people mean when they're saying that to me? I don't understand. <laughs> but it's, it's now, it's now that I look back and I see how my perspective has shifted. Like, it's, I suppose it's the it's it's putting me first it's it's making sure that i'm okay so that i can make sure other people are okay it's making sure that i'm i suppose just 
taking care of what I need to take care of to like not being that people pleaser that I was not saying yes to every everything that I want to do just because I'm asked it's it's saying no I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken from it which is strange but it's saying no and saying no to benefit myself like I, mm. I still suffer quite badly from chronic fatigue because of treatment which is so frustrating and it's something that I would love just to disappear one morning when I wake up but because of that I have to be really smart with how I balance my weeks because I get very tired very quickly and if I oh if I overdo it then it is a longer lasting effect on me so it's having that perspective of going okay well I have just say I have college this weekend I can't now go out and fill Monday to Thursday with jam-packed with meeting people or going places or whatever it is because I know I need to be fresh for the weekend and I it's 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 that kind of balance that I have mm -hmm. really it's taken again it's like all of this has taken me so long like mm -hmm. four years to get my head around mm -hmm. but it's it's finding that balance and it's yeah it's saying no and it's saying yeah. no for the benefit of myself and like it's uh, something I wanted to do was just to help when mm -hmm. after after I, I finished treatment I just wanted to help in any way I could I didn't know what that was at the time but I wanted to help somebody who was in my position especially the mental side of it because there's so much support there when you're actually going through your physical treatment but it's the it's the mental side of treatment that I really wanted to help with and that I really wanted to I suppose just even if it was one person that would I could say no it's okay I was like that as well or I went through that as well just mm -hmm. so that you feel you don't feel so alone mm -hmm. um and yeah like it's I've gotten involved with the Irish Cancer Society um a good bit I'm 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 on a couple of their panels and I'm the advocate um for Wicklow so I would link in with the the TDs and the ministers in Wicklow um, about their policies and their their issues that they're there that's on their agendas and I would be involved with the Grayson's Cancer Support and yeah there's a lot there's I suppose there's just a lot that I wanted to do to kind of say here's another side of it here's mm -hmm. another story of I suppose the cancer that we all unfortunately know so well here's just another way that it can it can kind of yeah, kick you just, when you're down. It's that element of awareness, isn't it? It's like the, yeah. more, the more people talk about it, the more people be aware and maybe they won't disappear after that person is, you know, is better again, if that makes sense. And I think it's great you've gone and changed your whole life path. You are now studying to be a psychotherapist, which is absolutely unbelievable. So talk about, you know, changing your your destiny essentially to now go and help people as much as you can, which I think is, is amazing. So congratulations. Yeah. I think you're what, nearly a full year, full year in. Yeah. And loving it. Yeah. Love, yeah. absolutely loving it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's definitely been one of the absolute positives to come out of the last 18 months is that I finally took the bull by the horns and went, I need to do this now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Well done. And I think it's great. Just if you want to do something, just go get it. Set yourself some boundaries. Don't say yes to everything and look look after yourself. Because if you can't look after yourself, 
girl, you can't look after anybody. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and telling your story. I've heard it. I was with you through the whole thing and yet it still makes me get goosebumps from head to toe. So I hope it brought some value to everybody listening, which I'm sure it will. Um, Neve, I love you and thank you. Thank you oh, for, thank for joining you us. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Alrighty, I will catch you soon, Eve. Thanks, Emil. Thanks. Bye. 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 bye.